And I pulled all the data. I pulled a lot of data. I looked at different comps in the area and I thought that was a fair and reasonable price. Did you have something else in mind? Maybe put the ball in their court somehow. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you unlock your potential freedom through land investing, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship. Hey everyone, this is episode 108 of the Real Estate Investing Podcast discussing top questions sellers ask before selling their property. I'm your host, Daniel Apke. Today, I'm joined alone by myself without my brother, Ron Apke. Before we get into the show, let's go over from one of our featured members in our Discord. They asked a question in our Discord community. Question is, what would a CRM do for my business and why would I need one? So to start, I would say for anyone who doesn't know what a CRM is, a CRM is a customer relationship management tool. So customer relationship management, pretty much what a CRM does is it tracks all aspects of your business. So I assume they're asking this because we just developed a CRM and they probably want to know why they would need one. So typically, I just want to ask this person, like, what are you using to track your deals, to track your leads, to track your pipeline, to know how much money's coming in and out, to track your business? It's really, CRMs are everything. It tracks everything from your sales pipeline to your acquisition pipeline, to your title and escrow, how much you have for sale, everything, the whole stage. It's, it's really, a, and then you have contacts within that. It's really a system to do business, to operate in. It's really what we do everything in. Everything's revolved around our CRM. It keeps the whole business organized. Now, I will say, if you're not an active land investor, you probably don't need a CRM right now. If you're getting deals and you want to keep organized and you're working off pen and paper, that might be fine for a few deals, but eventually you'll get to a bottleneck where you need a system and process to scale. And that's where a CRM comes in handy. So a lot of CRMs are really robust. A lot of CRMs are complicated and you pull them up and it's just a blank slate. What Ron and I developed was for land investing specifically. So our, all of the videos and the modules go into it, go into exactly what it is in the within the CRM for land investing. So we tried to keep it as simple as possible because we had that obstacle as well while forming a CRM when we first started. And I see people struggling with it, but really it's just to keep your business organized at the end of the day, guys. And Feel free to look at all the different CRMs out there and do whatever you guys choose, but just know it's to keep everything organized and you will get it. Uh, if you're looking to scale your business, you'll need one eventually. But other than that, let's get into the show. So today we're talking about top questions sellers ask before selling their property. So this is on the acquisition side. After we send a purchase agreement out for their property, they have a number, they call us back, right? A lot of times they'll call us back and they ask a lot of the same questions. So this is more to prepare someone for the questions to come rather than sales advice. I know there's a ton of salespeople in the group. There's a ton of salespeople listening. Use your own sales techniques. Test different things out as always. I'm all about testing things out. I'm going to give you some advice, but take it with a grain of salt. I'm not a professional salesperson at this point in my career. So if you guys have other strategies, use them. Um, this is really just to prepare you and how we respond and how I see our salespeople respond as well. The first question I see the most Question number one that I immediately thought of when putting this podcast together, thought of what they asked the question, what are you going to do with the land? That person, that seller is curious to what you're going to do with that land. They a lot of times have an emotional tie with the land. They want to know what you're going to do. It's going to be put to good use. Don't lie to them. Don't tell them you're whatever, going to hold it forever or you're buying it for yourself. Be honest. Tell them you are you're going to find an end buyer who's passionate about the land or whatever you're going to do with that. If you're leasing it out, I like to be honest with this. They just want to know it's in good hands. A lot of times they're calling and want to make sure there's not a Walmart going on it. 
or you know something that's going to bring thousands of cars because they might live nearby. So just be honest. Tell them you're a small family-owned land investing firm, and we're just looking for an end buyer or to find someone who's passionate about the land and going to put it to good use. Um, if you're going to lease it out or owner finance, you can tell them about that as well. But as always, transparency is really key. And keep that in mind throughout all these questions. We always want to be honest with these people. So that's question number one. Question number two is how did you come up with the pricing? I like to answer this also straightforward, but I, for like me personally, I don't answer or I don't price my mail right now. So when I was pricing it more, I just say, listen, I pulled in either way. This is kind of how I respond. I say, I pulled all the data. I pulled a lot of data. I looked at different comps in the area and I thought that was a fair and reasonable price. Did you have something else in mind? Maybe put the ball in their court somehow, but tell them how you got it, right? You looked at the area, you did in-depth in-depth uh, data digging and comps pooling and all the different things we do with within the data, but how'd you come up with the pricing? They'll ask that over and over again. So get prepared for that. Write a few things down on how to respond because you'll get that a lot. Question number three, did you look at the land? So they actually want to know how much you know about it. Like, is it a valid offer? This is a lot of these questions are just to build trust, right? These people are kind of testing you out. They're a little scared. They have fear in them. They got this letter. They don't know who we are. They might be interested, maybe not. Did you look at the land? They want to know if you're legitimate. Have you been to the land? How'd you look at it? So based on that, when they ask you this question, I always respond with uh, these, say, we've looked at the area. That's what I always kind of translate it to. We've looked at the area and the neighborhood in great detail because that's what we do when we price, right? We really pick it apart with zip codes. We looked at the area in great detail and we're looking for anything in your acreage. You had five acres. We're sending, we want to buy a lot of five acre properties out there. So we analyzed the five acre properties in the area and we're looking to buy that. We dove in great detail in the area and the five acre properties. Something along those lines. That's why I like to put in an area and not a specific property. I've looked at the area in great detail. You're land fit the criteria in the county and the zip code and the size that I'm looking for. So I want to buy all the five acre properties in that area. I want to buy five acres. Yours, yours fit my criteria that I'm looking for. So that's how I got your data. And that's how, that's how I looked at, I analyzed the land from a area perspective. So that's how I would kind of approach that one guys. Question number four, are you buying the land yourself? So this is a similar one as well. Did you look at the land or are you buying it yourself? But a lot of times what they want to know with this is, are you wholesaling? Because people get turned away from wholesaler. If you're trying to find an end buyer and not paying the money themselves, they know that deal can fall through. But if you're buying it yourself, they know they have more control. You have control of buying it. You're going to fund the title company. You don't need to rely on someone else funding this property. So when they ask that question, are you buying the land yourself? You are buying it, right? You're putting it in your name. You're buying it yourself. Even if you're using a deal funder, you're still buying the land. You are the manager of the property. You're closing it in your name or the investor's name. And that's why on our purchase agreements we have, we can buy it in any entity we want. So what we're talking about when we talk about any entity, we're talking about if we have a deal funder that we put it in their name, but we are buying it. We're buying it in cash for ourselves. And we're not trying to find an end buyer before we close it and double close or anything and just explain that trust. And this goes back to trust, guys. You can call the title company or tell them to call the title company that you have a good relationship with and give them a referral. Say, hey, Emily at Oak Title. Uh, I work with her all the time. She's local to your area. If you have any questions, you can work, you can 
work directly with her, but she, she can be a referral for you. So make sure to use the title companies, give them their phone number, email, whatever they want, the URL for their website, all that stuff, because that builds more trust. Then they're going to call the title company and say, hey, I've done 20 deals. They're great or whatever that is. And that's why title companies are also really important. You can leverage those relationships in title companies. Number five, question number five, are you calling on behalf of someone? So when they ask this question, are you calling on behalf of someone? A lot of times they, they're they a little, uh, I, I want to say paranoid, but that might not be the right term. They're, they want to know because someone wants their land that they know, maybe it's someone in the family that owns part of the land and they want to, the other person wants to sell, they want to keep it. There might be some sort of something going on there. It could be a sibling, a neighbor wants their land. They want to know if I'm calling for their neighbor, for their brother. Did someone send you is pretty much what they're saying. Who sent you? And that again is um, one of those people are less interested generally because they, they just want to make sure that, you know, their brother, whoever that is, isn't trying to wiggle their way in. Um, you'll get that a lot. It's kind of a funny question. And typically those people are a little bit less interested, but you will get that. So be prepared. Question number six, as always, you're going to get this one all the time. Can you go up in pricing? What's your best offer? Same thing. I don't have an answer for you on that. It really depends how you're pricing and the quality of land and so many different aspects. So you guys have to come up with that, but be prepared for that question. Can you go up in pricing? Um, I, I can't even start to answer that because it's just so situational. It depends on, there's so many variables with that between location, price, uh, what the comps are showing. Is it going to turn fast? Is the market hot? Just so much to go into there. And we'll, we, we have another negotiation video, go back on our YouTube and, and you can check that one out as well. Question number seven, how long until we can close? How long until we can get the money? I like to answer that by putting it almost in their court because we have good relationships with title companies. I know I can sell it in two weeks or I know I can close it in two weeks. Some areas I can close it in three days with title insurance. So if I'm in that area with where I can close it with three days with title insurance, I will tell them that. I'll say, listen, I can close this in three days. The only thing that's going to stop us from closing this in three days or two weeks or whatever your situation is, the only thing that's going to stop us from closing it is if we don't get the proper documents and collaboration or whatever we need from you on time. If you can provide us everything in a timely manner, we can close this in three days because sometimes the title company will ask for the death certificate or different things from the owner. So put it in their court, tell them you can close it as soon as you can. Make sure they know that you want to close this just as bad as them. Be like, I'm excited to buy this. I'd love to buy this today if I could get title insurance on it. But to protect myself, I need title insurance. Um, and title insurance takes a little bit. So we're waiting on title insurance and getting all the documents that they may need from you. So as long as everything goes smoothly, we can close in three days or we can close in two weeks. That's another very common question. Question number eight, and they say this in a lot of different ways, but how do I know that you're legitimate? How do I know you're not a scam? trying to think of another one. How do I know um, you're not going to steal my land from me? Things like that. That's someone scared. Again, building trust. Most of these questions come back to building trust with them. So how do you know this is legitimate? Go back to the title company. Tell them, listen, we do a lot of, we're a land investing firm. We do a ton of deals. If you need a referral, I can refer you to um, the law, the attorney's office or the title company in your area. You can call them. You can go there in person. When you close, you can go to the law firm or the title company and get your check in person. Um, you're not 
we're not taking your land. A lot of times they want to make sure they're getting their money. Say, if you don't want us to take, if you don't want us to get the deed and get the ownership until you have a check, you're going to need to close in person, which is completely fine. Personally, our closings are about 30, 40% maybe in person, um, just really maybe 20, 30, 40, but it happens a lot. Like these people want to go and get a check in person. That is completely fine. So tell them that if they're paranoid about not getting their money, which I understand they got a letter in the mail, right? They, they need, you need to find a way to build this trust. Assure them that they can go get their check from the law office title from when they close in person, right? If they're closing remote, they will not be able to get the check until they send the documents back and then the title company will send them back or wire the funds. Um, so you have to tell them going back to the title company, call the title company, have them call, give them the contacts, tell them you do deals with them. And these people you got to be extra careful with because they're skeptical. You need to make sure to call them back on time. You need to make sure to stay on top of things. If they don't hear from you for four days, they might get a little paranoid that you stole the land and it's in their name. So you got to be very cautious and stay on top of these people. It happens all the time. These people who are scared like that, are very, very, very good leads. They're calling, they want to sell, but they're a little timid about it. And they might say, can you talk to my realtor? Can you talk to my attorney? That's fine. Put them on the phone. I love talking to attorneys. Three-way call. Can you talk to my brother? Um, whatever it is, build that trust. I've had conference calls with five, 10 people before on one call, just building that trust. Just think, how can you, how can you allow someone to trust you more in this business? And you'll get way, way, way more deals. And some of the ways we do that is by answering our phone. Number one, most people don't answer their phones. Answer your phones, get back with them when you say you're going to get back with them, provide them all the information, be transparent, be honest with them. And those are really the main, and then have like a good website, some testimonials, things like that, Facebook page, whatever that is, just ways to build more trust. This business, people get, you guys got to understand, people get letters in the mail for to buy their land they don't know it's real or not. I understand like if I own land and I never saw a letter in the mail and I get one all of a sudden to buy it and I didn't have any of this knowledge that I have now, I would be a little skeptical too. Can they really get me that money? What's going on? Why are they offering my land? How'd they get it all the information? So that's another question. How'd you get the information from us? How'd you get the information on my land? How'd you get my information? I always just say it's county records. It's all public records. We just get it from the county record website or something basic along those lines. But Make sure, guys, when going through these, things to keep in mind, be transparent, be honest. Lying might work once or twice, but it will catch up to you. And you want to build a good reputation. You'll get referrals. Build trust right away by answering your calls, calling people back promptly, getting them the answers they need, staying on top of things. But other than that, guys, thank you for joining. If you guys have already not, please leave us a review on our Apple podcast. It really helps this business grow, and we really appreciate this. If anyone else would get value of this, please share this with them. Send them a text with the episode. We'd love for them to join our community. Other than that, thank you for joining and we'll see you guys next episode.